Welcome everyone to another installment of the Evolution Exchange Gaming Podcast. Today we are doing an exclusive studio podcast with Top Tracer. Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, the Knowledge Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data, product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. I'll go straight to it. People at Top Tracer, can you please introduce yourself? Uh, Anders Larsson, uh, manager at game development at Top Tracer. August Harrison, contracting programmer that makes graphics and data work. <laughs> uh, Buddha Babulan, I'm, I'm an artist, uh, ranging from like concept 3D and everything. Lovely. So we have everything covered, management, development, art, and today we'll hopefully get a nice window into what it is like at Top Tracer and what cool things they've been working on. So first question for you guys is what is Top Tracer to those who have no idea? Yeah, Top Tracer is a a golf tech um, company uh, where we uh, uh, offer technology to uh, range uh, owners and, and courses and also players. Uh, to uh, experience uh, uh, golf in another way. Mm -hmm. Put very simply, if you've never played golf, what we do is you go to a driving range, you hit the ball, that's the old school approach. With Top Trace technology, there's now a suite of cameras observing the tees. So you hit the ball, we record the ball, what happens to it, and then we transplace the ball into a virtual environment where you can play a virtual golf course. Kind of like Tiger Woods PGA Tour, like any golf game, except you're now actually hitting the ball yourself. Nice. So that sounds cool. So you basically save loads of time, right? Like if you wanted to do normal golf, this would save you loads of time. And it can be a bit more social because you're hopefully standing next to other people, right? Yeah. Ah, Fantastic. (laughs) Cheaper too. There you go. Cheaper, more fun. Nah, awesome. So There's no walking involved. (laughs) (laughs) That's interesting. (laughs) Lovely. Uh, You don't have the joy of going around on golf caddies, but I guess that is sometimes dangerous, right? And there's loads of other cool stuff you can do when it's in virtual. Um, So I want to understand how this compares to a gaming studio because apples to apples, it can, you can argue this is kind of very different to a gaming studio or you could say it's very similar. So I want to understand like how does Top Tracer compare to an average gaming studio? It's like what is actually different when it comes to behind the scenes? Well, I would say that it's a bit of both. It is very different and it's also very similar. Like it's different in the regards that in a normal gaming studio, you're all about the game you're making. Like you live and die with the product, you spend one to five years, depending on what kind of product it is. Uh, Top Tracer doesn't work like that. Top Tracer, the game development is just one part of it. You know, we have hardware, we have like actual physical hardware that gets delivered to driving ranges. There's a factory that makes it, there's people that installs it, there's the infrastructure all around that. And we don't release like 10 games a year. Instead, we're making one game with different modes. And this game is supposed to live for 10, 20 years, who knows how long. Like, it's it's a part of the entire product. But, on the other hand, it's also very similar to regular game development. 
because you know when I write code, it's exactly the same code I would write for whatever game I'm making. You know, I'm rendering a open 3D world. I need perf performance to be good. I know my target hardware. So like in that way, it's actually very similar to a normal game. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. And I think that one big difference is if you compare it to like an indie studio who's like chasing investments all the time, like you don't even know if you're going to survive in like three months time. And then you're like trying to chase investments and then you're trying to like hype your game. Like they're like, oh, well, we want like a PUBG kind of game. Like, oh yeah, well, sure, we can do a PUBG thing, but we're kind of like long-term oriented. So if like uh, <clears throat> the big company like Topkov says like, this is what our goal is in like seven years. So we can stick to that in a different way. So we don't have to like completely like change the direction of the, our product all the time. Sometimes, but yeah. not all the time. <laughs> yeah, I guess a lot more predictable from a gaming studio what perspective than it usually is. Like normal, like gaming trends change every two years. Golf has been the same for I don't know how many years. 150 years yeah. plus. And, yeah. Uh, but we work, yeah, we have the same uh, workflow as a normal game studio, I would say. Uh, ideation, concept, um, yeah, um, working with a brief and then start to implement. So that, that's also similar. But yeah. I want to dig deeper on what you said there, like in, in terms of like you have a longer time horizon, right? Uh, so you're not rushing. You don't like, oh my God, we're going to run out in two months. Let's go kind of like, how is that linked to the actual, I guess, game development processes? Like you mentioned, there's one big game, multiple game modes. Like, do you have sprints? Like, like what does that actually like look like? Yeah. We work yeah, uh, in sprints. Uh, we uh, have very close uh, re uh, collaboration with uh, product management and and the user um, user community, so to speak, um, where we collect. We will uh, uh, work with the prototype, refine that. Um, so it's it's more of a iterative way where we can uh, take some risks in in design. Uh, and test sounds less stressful than normal game development right like it sounds like when you mentioned there you can iterate you can also take risks which i think you know in some studios when to get a certain size you just can't anymore right you're just iterating very small things at a time so i think as a developer or an artist like how does that feel because i know both of you have worked in traditional gaming studios as well like how does that compare i think it is quite nice in a way like you said because i think that if you're on a very strict deadline like say that we have to have the product in two months or we're going under. Like if you have that, then you're like, okay, but then I'm not going to like, if I don't know like substance design, I'm not going to sit down and like learn substance design out of nowhere. Like I'm just going to do whatever I know, uh, which is going to be safe. But then also like maybe you won't get the best product. And I feel like here you have more like the space to develop like the best product to like yeah. also like experiment and like we're kind of allowed to say like you can go on this tangent and try this new thing and if it doesn't work out, that's fine. We can just come back to and like learn from it, which is, I think, yeah, like you said, it's not very conventional, but I think it lands a better product. It also for like the employees, it's a bit more calm and like feels more safe. And while you're still being like very experimental, which is like a very good combination, I think. Yeah, I think it stems from the fact that like normal games is just software and software moves very fast. And if you make something good, someone else can copy it. When there's hardware involved, it moves at a slower speed. So, like, it's harder to start top tracing from scratch because you need to get harder out to all the world's golf ranges. But once you actually have that out, I mean, there's kind of a lock-in effect. We can just, like, they're not going to change hardware once every three months. So once the hardware is out, 
we can deliver software to a platform that we know is going to be there in five years. Whereas if you make a game for the Xbox, you know, the Xbox might like might be a different generation in five years. Yeah, like how Unreal kind of disrupted the entire... I mean, I feel like if you were, would work in conventional game now, I would get a bit freaked out about like Unreal Engine. But now I feel like for our product, we kind of know that we're still going to have our screens and everything. So we kind of have a bit more like a stable work uh, work environment. Yeah, so I put it, it's more stable than a normal games company is. Mm-hmm. No, I think that'd be quite... Yeah, it's just the lack of stress or the certainty of it, of, of it all, of the... It's like developing for the PS3 and it was just released. Like, you know you're going to have a good four years and at least that's not going to change. And you guys have that built in and you have not only control of the hardware as well, at least the company does. Uh, yeah, that sounds nice, especially from an individual level because you can learn like what uh, you said, Booba. Like you can go on those tangents and learn where otherwise you might not have that luxury, which then comes back to innovation and quality of the product. So that sounds lovely. Um, yeah, I can only really think of one games company that's in a similar position. That would be Nintendo. You know, since they mm. make games for their own platform and they know exactly what's going to happen to it. Nice. Yeah, you are unique in that sense. Like, there's not many players that can say they can do that, which is, uh, yeah, it sounds like a nice environment. Um, but, of course, that comes with its own challenges because you have things, you have tactile things, you have real hardware and real people swinging clubs. So I want to get into the challenges. Uh, so, like, what unique challenges have you got over, over the last couple of years, especially with COVID? I don't know if that's influenced you at all. And how has that shaped uh, development and art? Yeah, if I would start... Uh, <clears throat> We, uh, about COVID, it, it is about uh, remote working, for, mm. for instance. Um, but we have a, a very good uh, um, approach to that. And also that we um, uh, have tools uh, that support uh, remote work. Uh, now we are in a, in a um, hybrid uh, way where we have a one day at office and then the other days is is more um, you can choose, um, and we adopt the tooling, the the way you work, and and, and so forth. So uh, it. But for the business, the 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 pandemic was really good for us because it was increasing in the golf industry. Uh, oh wow! So that was uh, a really that was a really challenge for us to to uh, um, uh, adopt all the the whole organization to an increased demand for our product. Um, and as uh, uh, August has said, it, it, we are shipping hardware, so it's a logistical problem as well. And then during the time in pandemic, it was uh, the, fa- the factories in, in different countries was down. So yeah, the hardware supply is, was a challenge and so forth. So, but um, we have uh, coped with that and, and we are, yeah, have a promising uh, future in the business. Um, uh, one challenge that we have as a game that that is, yes, we have our our own environment, but we also needed to uh, utilize uh, mobile platforms. So that that is what we currently have done uh, since uh, three years back. Is is uh, um, be able to to use mobile as as our platform and and have games on that and. And courses and and how we um, um, yeah li- deliver um, graphical files and, and other content to that platforms and and they are different so that's that's a challenge uh, as all app developers know 
there are a lot of <laughs> different screen uh, sizes, uh, uh, hardwares, uh, OS, uh, yeah, that kind of, of stuff. So, so that is uh, for me as a manager, that's the biggest challenge. But you, you guys can. I mean, I understand. Like, if you develop something for mobile, it's going to be a lot more constricted than, for example, like PS5 or something like that. But now, when it was at Nordic Game Conference, we heard like this. Uh, Speech that said like the greater uh, what was it? the greater the prison the greater escape. So it's kind of like a mm-hmm. like the more restriction you have the you have like a framework to be created in that space as well. So I kind of like enjoy. I mean, all my uh, teammates will hear me talk about like Unreal Five and Nanite how we don't have that. But I mean, in reality, I do like having some like constraints and like working in that greater space. I think that's kind of fun ways as well. Mm-hmm. Like I would, from the development perspective, I would say like one of the big challenges with the games we're doing for Top Tracer is like in normal games, you can adapt the world according to like performance and gameplay needs. For us, like 95% of the graphical content we make is digital versions of real life golf courses. So like the challenge is one, how do we get the input data? So like we're using a company that uses drones to scan golf courses and we get this input data and then you have to make a digital copy of that golf course. And if you discover that, oh, performance isn't so good, you can't just delete half the world. You know, people will be upset. So we have to adapt technology to be able to handle any kind of golf course we throw at it because we can't compromise with the golf course itself because it's supposed to look the way it's supposed to look. Yeah, I think this is a really important thing that yes, August like, talks about. Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to riff off that. Um, like, it's very cool. Like, the fact that you have these restrictions, but also, like, you bring in reality in a digital space, and then you have to get because this is a that is a very unique challenge that literally only you probably are doing. Like, digitizing golf courses. Like, I don't think anyone else is doing that. So, there's no playbook on that, which I think is well. Like, what Bubba was saying, like the challenge of it all is sometimes what makes it fun. Like if we're here just maintaining and it was all very easy, probably wouldn't be excited in the morning. But the fact that we have these difficult problems sounds uh, quite nice. Um, I wanted to ask you, Anders, when you mentioned about your approach to COVID, uh, just your remote working. So I just wonder if you could expand a bit on that. Like what does it actually look like? Uh, sorry, about during COVID or after what do you um yeah we can have both but more interesting would be what is actually the current process now like what would it actually look like day to day like do you have like what is the structure yeah the structure is that we have a constant uh, as as in every software development uh, now these days is uh, um, planning we have dailies uh, and and we have retrospectives um that is one framework and and of course all these meetings uh, can be uh, in 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 person in at office or it could be remote. Uh, then uh, um, the developers, as I understand, have um, constant calls uh, ongoing where you uh, collaborate and have discussions and and so forth uh, during the days. Um, um, just as you were at the office uh, next to shoulder to shoulder, so to speak. So, so that is what we are trying to adopt. The, the biggest challenge about uh, um, remote working is, is, the, um, is to ha- have the context of why am I doing this? Uh, what is other doing at the company that, uh, that uh, relates to my work? 
so that is uh, my um, challenge as a as a leader to to bring into the team all the time, constantly to to remind everyone or or uh, be there and listen what what uh, what's needed in that retrospect. Uh, um, so so we we are not. We are constantly evaluating what what is working and what is not, and then adapting towards that. And so, remote work is here to stay, uh, and we need to be better on it, uh, better at it, uh, so to speak. It sounds like you adapted, like it sounds like you adapt a lot, actually. Um, like when you mentioned during COVID, like you adapted to go to remote working, and then after the fact, again, you're adapting in terms of you have the digital water cooler, and you even went on to say like you still adapting still trying to improve it which is nice because not every studio does that some of them are quite binary right like three days in the office take it or leave it uh but it sounds like you have that back and forth with everyone which is nice and i think what you said is very important to make sure that everyone knows why we're here and the purpose and you know that transparency is really good the fact that that's the forefront of you as a manager like i think that's also good, especially when we have this hybrid world. And I've had the pleasure to come to your office and it's very nice. There's plenty of space. And I think the fact that you have the option to go to an office that is, you know, spacious and you can work with others, even if it's like one day a week or two days a week, like the ability to work with everyone because you have that space, you have that luxury. That's also very nice. Um, I don't know if you, August or Baba, have anything to say in terms of that? Like, how have you found the remote work in like a post-COVID world? I actually really like the setup Top Tracer does, which is, you know, four days a week remote and then everyone who can is encouraged to come in on Wednesdays. Uh, but not everyone does since we have a few teammates that are based in other cities. So they're obviously full-time remote. <laughs> and to me, that's kind of the best of both worlds because... You know, when you're remote, it's very easy that you don't have the small conversations. You know, if I'm sitting next to someone, there's a small thing I would talk about in the office, but doesn't feel worth to start an entire Teams call over. So like doing the hybrid thing, to me, feels like a great combination. Nice. Yeah, I also like enjoy the hybrid and like the remote. I think, I don't know if I can talk about this, but like uh, last year, like uh, uh, I was allowed to work from South Africa for like five weeks. And you said like before COVID, maybe I would be more skeptical. But now after like COVID, I feel like completely comfortable because that's how we work quite a lot. And that's like in terms of like company stickiness. It's like something I, I talk to my friends about and they're like, oh, I would not be able to do this. <laughs> like, so I'm like, this is something that, that I really enjoy, like the form of management where I feel like we're trusted to work remotely. And, we, and I feel like when we're trusted, we also do deliver because I feel like that kind of goes in hand in hand. That's a good point. Great. So it's like there's a lot of trust in this company. Yeah. Nice. Now, fantastic. Um, I want to go into a bit more about these uh, challenges on the tactile side, if we can. So if no one has ever done digitizing top, you know, golf courses, like how do you actually get started as a developer or an artist, given that it's pretty much going to be the first time you're working on this type of project? Like, how does this onboarding look like what does that good developer need to know before they actually come in or an artist i guess so uh, we can take this one at a time actually um so uh, bobo if we can start on the art side like what I mean, is yeah. the unique challenges there i wish tobias was here who was the one who kind of like started this process so he actually was like uh he did like this experiment like top tracer wanted to go into the territory so he just uh, got some scan data, I think, and then he just tried to get that into Unity the the way that the best way he could. 
And after he could show like a proof of concept, then he was able to onboard like the rest of the artist team that is like me, Yuka, and Jonathan and uh, the rest of us. And eventually, I feel like we just had to go step by step. And <laughs> like, it's a lot of experimentation, a lot of like failures and like learning from these failures, because I feel like that was the only way to get forward. And in this kind of like chaotic, especially like you said, there's no template, there's no nothing to go by. Like, we had to like go to forums about like, how do you use this scan data? And we're like, I have no idea about all these values. Like I know Maya, I know Blender, and I know Unit. I don't know anything about QGIS and stuff like that. So it's a sometimes frustrating journey, but I think uh, we work together quite closely, and then eventually we get on and find our way through it. And August helps a lot with the technical aspect of this as well. Yeah. So from the developer perspective, I would again say that like there is not really much of a difference between doing this and like working on any game because it's the exact same technology. It's just that we're choosing to represent only golf courses. It's like that gets rid of some stuff, but it adds other complexities. Like we don't need animated characters, for example, so we can just skip all of that, which is very thankful from a graphical programming point of view. But what we do have instead is we need to make a golf course that looks like the real golf course. It's like, like you said before about mobile development, it's kind of like a constrained environment, but inside that constrained environment, you can be very creative. Like you can write tools to automate, automatically create stuff. Like we've done stuff like using open street map data to figure out where are the houses and then automatically place houses so we don't have to do that manually since you know every golf course is different but they're also similar in some regards so you can make tools to help automate the process whereas if you make some kind of game you have a snow world an ice world a city world each world is kind of unique and it's different so it's harder to automate in the same way nice i think i like the theme of like the constraints the constraints lead to like new kind of yes new avenues right new things you need to go out and which i think is nice so it sounds like when you're starting at top tracer I guess you get the wisdom from those who are already there, but at the end of the day, you are, it sounds like there is time to go out and learn, right? You're not expecting to go in and it's like, okay, deliver now. You know everything. Uh, like Bubba, you said, you, you've been going on forums, right? Uh, even though someone was there before you. So um, is that true? Yeah, but it's also like a quite a flat hierarchy. So if someone has mm. like a solution from beforehand and then someone else comes along, like August, who's like, I have a better idea. And then it's like, uh, we're kind of like open to that. We're like, yeah, okay, let's do it. Let's see what what, what happens. And I think that is like quite important. There's no ego in anyone's work. You just like produce what's needed. And then if something better comes along, then we're always open to that solution as well. Yeah, I suppose we're kind of organically trying to split our time between, you know, one, delivering the stuff we need to do, and two, figure out how we can deliver stuff faster in the future, which mm-hmm. is often a combination of tools and processes and automating things. You know, it saves a lot of time to be able to buy a, a program placed 500 houses instead of doing it manually according to some satellite image. Nice. No, oh, fantastic. So my next question is, how would you describe the culture of Top Tracer? We touched on this a little bit, but it'd be nice to go in a bit more detail. How about you, Anders? Yeah, first I want to leave it to to okay, yeah. and, and uh, to describe, and, and then uh, I can... Um, add what what i see as well but please yeah well i'll go first so like the way i would describe the culture is like flat open and experimentative like i've been in some companies where you get handed a checklist of these are the things we need to do 
Here it's way more open-ended. It's just like, make the product better and talk to your team. So like we have a culture where everyone talks to everyone. We make group decisions. You know, everyone is welcome to add to whatever feature they want. Like join discussions on everything. It's not like, no, I own this thing. So you should shut up and go away. So like everyone takes part in the solutions and like we work very team oriented. Yeah, I think I will uh, add to that as well, that um, we're kind of working as a team to reach one certain goal. So everyone kind of like, if uh, in our, and stand-ups and everything, we kind of like try to catch if someone is like struggling with something and then we can like, hey, can I help something in any way or any capacity and just like support each other to find the solution that we need to do. Uh, and then I also like the fact that we're kind of encouraging each other to experiment, like you said. I think, I remember there was this one time I needed to explore something and I, I was like telling Anders like it's a uh, 40% chance this is not going to work out and I'm just like, I want you to do it. And like, <laughs> so I think that's like a very healthy way of like working that where I feel like I can um, experiment and I'm not really getting punished for failing something like it's more like a learning kind of experience. Sounds like you're getting rewarded for it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that comes back to the stability and the predictability of the product. Like we're not dependent on we have to push this giant patch next month or all the players are going to stop playing and we go bankrupt. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's exactly what uh, environment I also want to work in. Um, because um, as a manager, I also take um, experiments uh, and, and uh, I don't actually know the outcome. But um, anyway, um, but I, what I see from the team is that they really uh, helping each other to to reach the result. Um, they are, yeah, the hier hierarchy is, is not there. Uh, it's a um, humble approach to everything, um, helpful, caring. So, uh, and that is very important to get the results in my book, uh, so to speak. No. And I love the use of the word humble, right? Because I feel like in, with this one, you, yeah, it's just one of those where if you, even if this one person who's not that humble, you can really just go on a tangent, right? Uh, it sounds like taking care on like the people you're bringing in, you're not bringing out um, anyone, right? You want to contribute to the culture if you're going to bring someone into the team. So my next question is on user feedback, because I feel like you have a very interesting project in the product product for because I feel like user feedback on this one, because it's got the tactile element, it'd be very interesting. I wonder uh, how does user feedback play in like shaping your current and future products? Yeah, the user feedback is really important. We have the luxury of having uh, direct contact uh, with our users. Uh, we are users ourselves. Many of us are golfers. So that is uh, what we take in, uh, take in as an input in every project or and we also have this uh, iterative way of, of uh, um, developing where we take uh, a proof of concept and then uh, uh, yeah, test, test it on, on the market or, or the users. Um, so uh, uh, we also do user research um, just to, to try to find the new trends in the world, so to speak. Uh, um, we also, yeah, of course, Look at the competition. Um, look in other tech uh, companies. Uh, they they what they are offering and, and uh, yeah, it, we are pe we are humans and people as as other users. So 
so yes, we are um, um, using um, user feedback a lot. Uh, we also have a big uh, business team, uh, sales, marketing, account management that also have important input that we take in. Mm. And that's interesting because like most game studios don't have that luxury, right? So you can not only have the user feedback coming in, you also have people that are able to kind of translate it a little, uh, which yeah. is nice. Ah, fantastic. Um, and it sounds like you're proactive as well. Like you're actually doing user research to find out about new tools, not just listening as well. You're actually going out, asking out questions, uh, which is... Yeah, it's, it's very important to have this both. Otherwise, you can be so, sort of, uh, yeah, um, make make wrong decisions on on uh, when you just listen on, on one source, so to speak. Uh, yeah. But we also explore our own... Uh, uh, um our own uh, um yeah the all the developers all the team uh, also have really important input in in uh, in uh, uh, developing game it could be just an idea from someone and then we have um we have uh, time to experiment about it and 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 uh, so so that's very important that we have all palette so to speak of, of different input and insights and ideas it sounds like everyone can speak up with ideas good or bad and you're listening to like yeah as much input as you can get which is yeah she's lovely yeah and you actually uh, is uh, given time to explore that idea oh wow nice fantastic uh in terms of go i just add something i feel like there's one thing that could be interesting to mention since we're talking about users here is I don't know how the company actually thinks about this, but the way I think of it when it comes to Top Trace's product is that we kind of have three different kinds of users. To begin with, it's like the pro golfers, you know, people who are good at golf and want to get better, in which case they use the product to get data on their shots. Like you hit the ball, like how high did it fly, how much spin, did it go to right, did it go to left? You can track your shots over time. You can get like a bunch of data to help you improve. Then you also have the use case of kids. And, you know, I was a seven-year-old forced to go to driving range every Sunday and I hated it. Uh, but if I had had something like Top Tracer where you can play fun games, like you, we have a game called Go Fish that's about hitting, well, hitting fish basically. And like it's stylized, it's cute. And like, I would have enjoyed that when I was a kid. And then we have a third category, which is people who are not kids, but are new to golf. So like, say you're 20, 40, whatever, and you want to learn to play golf. It's kind of a big step to, like you started the driving range just trying to hit the balls. And it's kind of a big step to go from a driving range to a golf course. If you've never been on a golf course, what happens if you're bad is you miss, you hit the woods, you hit the water, you're stuck in place, you're not moving. Then behind you, a gang of pro golfers, probably 70 years old or so, are coming up and they're looking annoyed that they have to wait for you because you're being slow. So like the step from driving range to golf course is actually quite a big one in terms of like player capability. What you can do with Top Tracer system is you can actually play a virtual round of golf. So you can try a real golf course on a driving range. So you'll kind of know when you are ready to go on a real golf course because you've pretty much already done it just in the virtual environment. Nice. And yeah, and then you have to look at each of these three users and account for it. Like when you're developing, right? Like you have, like the stuff you're doing on the GoFish is going to be different to the the pro golfer ones, which is added complexity for you guys as well. Yeah, the pro golfer does not want cute fun games, and kids do not want hard games. Yeah, yeah. and we have the that uh, we have a, a lot of UX and and user research 
uh, in our company, uh, and they are segmenting the users and and uh, yeah, um, try to identify the the needs and drivers for for each. Uh, uh, we call it personas, where we uh, try to describe these user categories uh, in a more what do you say uh, formalized yeah formalized structured way mm. yes yeah so you basically have a product that can yeah, you serve in three different groups of people right so you've got almost three times not not three times the work but like there's three different like you said personas that you have to account for which is yeah even more complexity which i didn't actually know about which is quite cool yes next question would be on the i guess future of top tracer so you already have a few different products, but I wonder what does the future hold for Top Tracer as a gaming studio? So we're thinking, like, if I'm a developer, an artist looking at Top Tracer, like, what is, does the future look like? Yeah, I mean, the future is bright. Uh, we still have a, a lot of demand in the market, and and we are uh, by far the biggest uh, player. Um, uh, and what what we see as a trend is about as uh, august has mentioned uh, uh, this when when you're a new new at golf uh how you how your journey to it to a real course is how can we help out with that we also uh, have a lot of, of training and and coaching uh feedback to uh, more experienced golfers and then we see uh, a lot of of uh, demand in the fun fun game or in where you can uh, uh, yeah take your shots and and put that put them in a non-golf environment so to speak but uh, but really have fun and we we have the our companies owned by top golf and top golf is in that space they are in the entertainment space uh, 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 and and that is a really good product so but we want to launch that also to to uh, uh, ranges, so so that that is the so to speak the future. Um, Sounds like there's a lot more room to innovate. Like there's new game modes that could be made. Like you mentioned the like you said five percent of the current courses August earlier that aren't actual golf courses. So I'm just imagining like Wii Sports days where you had the last level was like three different islands, right? That's not true like you have like floating islands so like there's loads of stuff you can do with that right yeah and we also see that that uh we take in indoor golf golf simulators for instance Mm. that market is is uh booming uh big time and a lot of of that is is around that that you describe uh august uh, about i i uh, i don't have time i don't have five hours to go a course it's it's a lot. I don't need need to walk. I don't need to look for the ball, uh, and I don't have these other uh, uh, players chasing my net, so to speak. So so that is what uh, what we think is a, a really uh, really good driver for this market. Uh, yeah. So it's you can just innovate on the entire golfing experience. You can yeah. like, get rid of some assumptions that oh, we might not actually need the part where you look for the ball. We don't need to add that as a feature or anything like that. Yeah. You can just yeah, you can like make it as streamlined or as realistic as you like. Oh, lovely. Uh, my next question would be more on the consumer side, uh, which I think we just touched on this here. But I guess, is there anything upcoming that is already in the works that people can look forward to? 
depends what we're allowed to say. <laughs> yeah, but you can you can uh, elaborate what you're currently working on. Uh, so we are working on a new way to deliver golf courses and make updated, better versions of stuff we have. So in the future, hopefully, we're going to be able to make a lot more golf courses than we currently have. Because it turns out there is no shortage of golf course owners that want a virtual version of their golf course. It's pretty much every one of them. Mm. So, like, the backlog is big. So, I guess yeah. becoming a more complete catalog. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah, that that is. A, but also to enhance the, the 3D environment. So, mm. because as a golfer, you are dependent on that kind of input when you choose club or... Uh, you you need to to understand by looking at the course what what are are the ta- task ahead um, is it elevation is it uh, yeah bending dog leg so to speak we call it as a golfer it's a lot is it trees uh, that are yeah in the way so to speak how 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 am I going to solve the, the problem ahead? Uh, and we need to have a course that gives that uh, input in the right way. So uh, to have a good uh, 3D experience is, is really important. Uh, and uh, we think we are ahead there in the, in the, in, uh, if we look at competition and what we currently have as well. So... So that is very important for us. Um, uh, next, uh, uh, really exciting project we're w- working on. We we have a pre-launch at, at the PGA show. Uh, is about the training and coaching package uh, where we have game insights, game modes, um, uh, where we uh, offer uh, every player to be, um, to have a foundation to to um, finding out what am I what what do I need to be better on so oh, nice. so that is the main two things that we are working on right now um, um, and and that is what I can talk about yeah. we have a lot in the pipeline but I mean those two things alone are really cool because they don't sound like gimmicks right it's like improving the current experience and the second one's really cool it's like hey here's recommendations on what you should be working on right now targeted to you uh which sounds like just complete value adds to the current experience yeah fantastic all right um finally i want to get into what should people be thinking of when they like apply to top tracer so like is there any advice that you would give to those looking to join top tracer as a studio i think the first and most important item to add is you don't actually need to know golf to work here because like it might surprise you to learn, but many developers are not golfers. <laughs> <laughs> like we're actually now in a couple of weeks going the entire game dev team to play a real round of golf. And for men, it's the first time. So that's going to be the first thing experience. For you guys, not for me. That's going to be excruciating. <laughs> Very stressful. I'm the non-golfer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, of course, it's, it's uh, yeah, if you are a golfer, Please welcome, but if not a golfer, you're also very welcome. We uh, have the same development uh, techniques, um, also way of work, uh, or um, the knowledge that you need is, is about how to utilize uh, language and, and uh, different tools. So there is no... But anyway, of course, if you are a golfer as me, 
it's it's uh, also another level of of uh, understanding and, and but but uh, there is no request for it yeah you know, working with your hobby is fun <laughs> yeah <laughs> could also be stressful <laughs> yeah. i mean i want to expand a little bit on what you said because uh, you said before you know that you have to be part of the solution you have to you can't be the person who just gets like handed a checklist and you just do all these things like if you want to apply here i think it's quite valuable if you're kind of a autonomous person who can like can work on your own stuff and like create uh create your own things and like have agency and accountability of your own things because that's quite important for us for like an artist i would say like if you're a generalist it's probably like the best things because you do jump between different roles so it can be like i don't know concept vegetation it could be like house modeling and it could be generation or something like that so i think that kind of flexibility is kind of good to have yeah i agree you know since the company is very open and trusting and we also do a lot of remote work that places some requirements on each individual to be a proactive communicator mm. and if you're just sitting around waiting for the boss to tell you to do something that's probably not going to happen so like you need to talk to the team and you need to be open to working with people yeah like definitely being able to demonstrate that you can work with that initiative and like the proactively communicating because i know a lot of people who are but they might not be able to demonstrate that in the actual application in interview i think it's important to mention like oh i've worked remotely and this was the process and i had to do that so definitely making that more aware is definitely a plus and yeah i think it makes sense like golf is a bonus obviously it doesn't hurt but it's not a requirement which is obviously nice to see uh, as well uh, but i guess any other advice like i'm just thinking if i'm a developer and I'm going to apply to Top Tracer. I'm interested, like, how do I make my profile stand out? Let's say I don't play golf and I'm just a traditional game developer. Like, what should I be focusing on in my application? Also, how would you prefer they apply as well? Like, uh, every studio has their own preference. Yeah, for, for me, it's two sides. It, it's very important that you, of course, describe your experience, uh, what kind of tools and techniques you have used uh, uh, and 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 it needs somewhat to be a fit on what we use here. But for me as a manager, the personality is the most important to mm. be able to describe uh, uh, how you collaborate with others, uh, that it's we are team first uh, oriented. Um, we do things collaborative. It's you need to to be, a good communicator um, uh, in order to succeed here. So, so, so express to explain that and what kind of experience you have there, both good and bad, and what you have learned. Um, um, yeah, that that is for me what I look at uh, at applicants. Uh, I think that's quite important actually, because a lot of, I usually have to add that as a recruiter uh, in the little blurb is like, oh, by the way, this is the person's character uh, from me speaking to them, and yeah, definitely. If you have a CV and you don't have like an intro page where people can get a window of what you like to work with, you definitely add it, right? And it sounds like you guys are also, you know, quite culture driven and you're not, that is, personality is a big aspect. You're not looking for a mercenary, right, to do tasks. You're looking for someone who's going to be part of the team. And yeah, so highlighting yeah. the team aspect is important. Exactly. And, and, and that's you. Uh, you're not a mercenary. You will not get the list from me. This is what you should do you you will identify that yourself together with the team the colleagues and then help out where you can 
so um, so that's the culture, so to speak, uh, uh, the personality that I I look for. I feel like it is quite interesting, you know, when you said like it is kind of like adaptable to what we do, because like when I applied here, like I had like a very stylized portfolio. And then I think um, the reason that I finally got, got in here was maybe the same thing that I look in other people. I would maybe look in the portfolio and say like, can you take something from the beginning to the end product? Like I want to see something that is kind of like finalized in Unity or Unreal or some kind of real time. I don't want to just see like this this beautiful sculpture that you made in Seabrush. Like, I don't care about that. Like, yeah, I was just, see, can you take it yeah. all the way? Like, I want to see the whole process. Man, that's important. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, yeah, very important. Like a portfolio, don't just have a bunch of concept art if you're expected yeah. to be implementing as well. You need to showcase that you can do that. Yeah. No, like for, in my case, like I had like small app that I had to like put on like App Store and stuff like that. So I think that was a bit valuable in the sense of like, oh, so you have done something in mobile that you got running on like an iPhone. Okay, that's pretty like heavy for us. Like it's, uh, so I think that's something that I would also look for in applicants. Like, can you take it all the way? Like, not just part of the way. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I learned from the developer perspective that it's probably useful to be a bit of a generalist. But I will also say that we've hired people from many different backgrounds. We have everything from server developers to web developers to graphics developers to UI developers. Also some gameplay guys, like there is people from all kinds of backgrounds. But it's probably better if you feel comfortable with a slightly broader take on it instead of having, you know, like I make buttons. That's what I do. <laughs> yeah, like if you're a Swiss Army knife, definitely highlight that because uh, you'd be welcome yeah. here. Uh, another word for its full stack. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I don't. That that's not the. Uh, yeah. Um, exactly. It's not hard word, requirements, right? No, it's not a hard requirement. But but to be able to learn is really important. So I mm. look look at that because we have an onboarding, uh, uh, really good onboarding. We have uh, um uh, managed to onboard in a very short uh, time, new guys. Um, so we are ha happy with that. But that is because we have recruited uh, fast learners, so to yeah. speak. I think that's a big thing as well. Like I think personality is almost like first in a way. Like sometimes we can see potential in someone. Like you know what? Like personality is like a really good fit for our team, and we see that they might come to a position where. They're going to be like able to produce the same thing. They may they may be not there now, but we see that they will be. Yeah, very very much so. Yeah, you can be taught skills, especially in an open discussion with the team. But it's harder to teach like the will to collaborate. <laughs> yeah, so almost impossible. Yeah, <laughs> because we've had the opposite as well. We had like very skillful people, but we kind of see like they're kind of like mismatching with the team, so it's not going to be like a good fit. <laughs> of course, that that is. Often why we turn turn offers down, yes. mm. applicants down. Yes, I think it sounds like there's obviously a lot of nice to haves, but it does sound like apply anyway. And like yes. definitely like is like in terms of the culture, I think uh, a lot of these things come out in an interview, but as a recruiter, you can show this in your cover letter, in your CV. Uh, so like definitely like if you've learned very quickly on a job where you might have not had a lot of handholding, say the story, you know, like mention it on the CV because yeah. yeah, like, yeah, don't leave that out as like, I think you just need to eliminate some question marks. Like you guys have a lot of things which would mesh well with top tracers. So if you want to go to the top of the pile, you know, mention the things that are would suit. And yeah, if you're listening, obviously you now got an, 
another leg up, right? Because you know what they're looking for. So I think like one of those things just really show the things that are useful for any company, to be honest, like your culture, a bit of window into who you are. But um, now that you know what top tracers looking for, and if that's who you are, definitely don't shy about it. Don't try to wait for the interview. You know, you want them to know that before. Is that on the website? Is that how people should apply, um, Anders? Yeah, we have we have a general uh, app, yeah, applicant link, uh, so to speak. So uh, please, if you are interested in the company and, and what we do, uh, and you feel that uh, this could be a place for me, um, don't shy. Uh, send in there. Uh, we have a due diligence process on that as well, so you will be contacted. Ah, uh, nice. But then we then we absolutely have uh, certain positions uh, that we have on our website, and also we have them on LinkedIn and other channels. Fantastic! Yeah, I see. It's two open applications. So careers.toptracer.com is the website. If you're listening to this, but I'll probably put a link in the description as well. Uh, fantastic! Um, so we'll conclude there. Thank you everyone at home for listening. This has been the Evolution Exchange Gaming Podcast. If you are interested in being on a podcast or if you want to apply to Top Tracer, please go to careers.toptracer.com or you can find them on LinkedIn. And thank you everyone at home for listening. This has been your host, Harry Foku.